Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with Matt Panek in the next episode of the Ecom Show, our podcast and live stream. And um, yeah, so um, I'm really excited because uh, he's the co-founder of uh, Sales Genomics. Sales Genomics, how should I pronounce? Sales, Sales Genomics. Genomics yeah. yeah, so he's the co-founder of this uh, agency and they help uh, e-commerce brands to grow from zero to hero, as I gave the headline to this uh, episode. So uh, Matt, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, awesome. Yep. Thanks, thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. So please tell us more about your journey in the e-commerce world, how um, you got into this whole um, universe of, of e-commerce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope we're going to have time for the whole story. Uh, so essentially, uh, you know, like all my, I, I never intended to be in the e-commerce space. I never intended to, to be a, an owner of the agency. All I wanted to do really when I was back in high school was to be a scientist. And my real dream was to actually, uh, discover a cure for aging. I was really into all the research into the biology of aging and how we can, I found it fascinating that there are people out there who are investigating, you know, different ways to kind of manipulate our biology Uh, with the, you know, with the intention of kind of prolonging human life, right? So this was really fascinating. And then, you know, I had this, uh, I knew that this was the cause that I wanted to impact at some point. And then I had, um, I had this thought, okay, so how does one actually go about making any kind of change in the world, right? And my first answer was, let's, let's become a scientist, right? But then I discovered it was actually like probably not the fastest way and not the most pragmatic, you know, scientists like to take things slow as well. Uh, so then I knew I had to go through business routes, right? Uh, but then really the only people that I saw doing business were, you know, people starting out some kind of risky ventures in the technology business, right? And uh, yeah. uh, so it looked like the only option was to have some kind of, you know, really awesome idea, <laughs> uh, raise some capital for it, and um, and then pretty much, you know, work with no guarantee of success for the next five years, which your venture is probably going to fail because you have no experience, Right. Uh, yeah. So I didn't have any idea. So all I was left with was the other path that I saw a lot of people going through, which was the corporate ladder, you know, going through consulting firms and so on. Uh, I was studying pharmacy back then. I tried to get into the consulting firms, but, you know, like I kind of, it, it wasn't it wasn't that easy for a science grad to, to get in there, especially if I started planning it like, you know, like two months in advance, right? So that, there I was like completely under the wall, uh, like all of my ideas about what I wanted to do in life kind of, and that's, and, you know, it was probably the, the right moment in my life. And I, I, I guess a lot of people can emphasize with that was when I was hit with an, with an online ad, you know, make money online and so on. And I was so desperate and so kind of, you know, like uh, wanted to, to make some kind of change that they jumped in. And so I joined a, a mastermind group where I learned how to do marketing. That's you know, like kind of uh, where it all started. And now, you know, here we are. There's a 50 people team in sales genomics and we're helping awesome businesses grow. 
And uh, you know, I found that I could apply in this in this kind of fascinating science of marketing. I could apply my drive to you know like really discover what works and get to the depth of the of the things and test and optimize and and really you know figure out how to how to make a lasting positive difference in you know people's businesses and people's lives. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, how old are you, by the way? Because I think if somebody was fifty uh, years old. I, I would believe it's the, his story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 20, I'm 26, I'm 26. Okay, okay. so amazing. Um, funny thing is I was also a scientist, or at least I wanted to be. I was a geologist at the university, and I wanted to work in the oil industry. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, then I, um, I started marketing when the, when the oil prices went down around uh, 2015. So, oh, yeah. wow. You, you, um, you realize that there's no hope in this business anymore. You need a pivot, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, also, I'm, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of money in this uh, industry, but I think the future is not the oil industry. You know, I, I, I'm really, I love nature and uh, probably the oil industry is not the best for nature. Um, yeah. But back to marketing. So when did you start your agency? Four or five years so ago? So it was back in 2015, 16. So mm -hmm. actually, like, I didn't start from sales genomics, right? I was uh, in sales genomics. I'm actually with my business partner, Mike. And, you know, we, we, we didn't start together. We, we are childhood friends. Actually, we've known each other for 14 years now. And, but we started all alone, you know, like every, each one of us was doing their own thing. Uh, and then we got kind of, you know, like to, to, to almost a similar level. And about a year ago, I think it was the August 2019, we decided to kind of merge forces into sales genomics. And it grew really fast because like from, from a 10 people team, we grew to almost 50 in a year. So, uh, wow. so it's, uh, this was the time when it really kind of, you know, kicked off when you, uh, you know, when you, when you join forces with the right partner, I think it's, uh, it's the best decision you can make for your business. Yeah, definitely. And um, so what is your current uh, business model with the agency? I know that you uh, grow um, e-commerce brands quite quickly. Um, and I also talked with one of your team members that you are not just an agency, but more like an e-commerce hub, or I don't know what's the right word. You also mm -hmm. have your own brand. So please tell us more about this uh, business model. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I like to call it uh, a growth hacking agency, right? So what we essentially do is, uh, is you know, like we have a range of tools, right, that we that we can apply and we we look at a business, right? So a, par a, a partner, potential clients comes to us and we search for what's, the, what's their next biggest leverage for, you know, the most cost-effective explosive growth, right? And then we just, you know, take one of their tools, let's say Facebook ads, or, you know, let's say they, yeah. uh, they actually, their business model is broken and we fix their pricing and we fix their, you know, their, their, their products, uh, variant strategies and so on. And then, you know, we move on to the next and the next and the next, right? So we've got all, all this range of tools, uh, Facebook, Google, email, influencer marketing, video production, um, what else, um, like, you know, SMS, push and so on. And whatever we want, we, we apply whatever we think is going to bring the biggest difference to a business, right? And the way we work is, you know, like uh, we kind of, uh, it's not like, you know, we kind of tell the client, hey, you know, you buy this set of services and then, then we upsell you another, right? But instead what we do is we, 
uh, we kind of reinvest what we make because we that we are like getting in with a client on this kind of performance based um, compensation system because I I struggle believe that this is perfect for aligning incentives is the one the, the single biggest the single most important thing one can make in in a business right and I apply this to to our team and so on and that's uh, so yeah so essentially we get on this kind of revenue split agreement with the clients and then what we make as the business grows you reinvest into more services to kind of perpetuate this kind of this, this growth cycle right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very, it sounds like the, you know, it's very aligned what you and the client wants. And, and that's, that's great. Um, Super important. So it sounds like it's a very opportunistic business model. So you don't uh, do, I don't know, Facebook ads because you do Facebook ads, but you start anything what has a great opportunity. So if Facebook ads is the first with the biggest potential, you start with that and then I don't know, email and then maybe better video creatives and then you add more and more, more, more and more layers. Um, and um, yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of uh, struggles, but you will tell us you had a lot of struggles to hire the right people because you know, that's do, doing one service, you can uh, systemize it quite quickly. But, but when you are opportunistic and you have to add a lot of new services, I guess that's uh, it can be hard sometimes as an agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this kind of, we didn't start there, right? So like when I was starting out, I was literally just doing Facebook ads. I didn't even, you know, have any creative expertise and so on. And, you know, as I was building up my expertise in that, and you know like generating all the kind of sops and best practices and really the the sales genomics way of doing uh of doing stuff then we were we we started to expand the range of the growth tools that we have in our portfolio right like i definitely don't recommend anyone to be to be a jack of all trades uh and try to kind of juggle all of that at once because like the like the the complexity of managing those multiple kind of streams of activities and uh, and maintaining the quality uh, is, is is really high. So you know, like this is this is we've gradually arrived here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and when it comes uh, to hiring the right people, um, yeah, this is this is definitely super super important, right? So the way um, you know, and you know, I've made my first share of mistakes. So for example, when I was uh, when I was hiring my first personal assistant, I remember I had to cycle through seven different people <laughs> before I found actually found the guy who's working with me until this day, right? So this is uh, you need to be persistent, but it's definitely worth it. And you know, learning how to you know what different people need, kind of different personalities uh, are out there, and so you uh, you know how to manage different t- types of people. What do they best respond to, and what kind of responsibilities you can trust them with, and uh, or not, right? And the same yeah. applies to pretty much any position. Yeah, I think it's better not to hire anyone if you don't find the right fit. Um, I think Elon Musk uh, he said that he learned rocket science because he couldn't find a good uh, rocket scientist, which is he's a smart guy. So <laughs> he, he just learned it. He read a lot. Um, and I feel the same sometimes. It's just better even learn it or give this to an employee who you already have if you cannot really find a good person for that role or, yeah, or just this is, your time and find this is, someone. This is a super, super important point because like for uh, a, a bad 
employee is a massive cost to you and you, you might not even realize it but like you know someone who's gonna do a half ass job and who's just you know like who doesn't have the so okay so when we hire people we look at a few things right so one is does the person have the attitude right the other one does the person have the you know the aptitude can they uh, do they have the mental capacity and do they have the um you know can they learn it or is it just you know is, is it going to be too far of a um of a learning curve right so i believe that you know everybody can learn most of the things but you know sometimes it's just me you, you may not have the time to teach them right and the cost of a bad employee is so much more than just you know a a a job not well done because there's all the stress that you have to carry there's all the double yeah. checking that you need to do uh there's all the kind of frustration and the lost time that uh especially if this person is working with you and you know your time is not being leveraged or your time is being wasted right uh so yeah that this is definitely you need to uh, be be sure and like this is something is more of a gut feeling down the line right you just mm -hmm. if you don't feel good about someone don't hire them <laughs> Every time, it, like every time, I didn't feel right, and I kind of went against my gut feeling. It was just a terrible idea. Yeah. Do you use uh, any uh, consultant assistant for hiring? For example, we have an HR consultant, um, Angela. She will come into our podcast, and uh, she's been doing this for decades, and uh, she's just amazing. She has a sixth uh, sense about people, so. Mm -hmm definitely has the gut feeling um yeah. do you use so, any consultant or, or anyone for this yeah so so i never used any consultants um up to up to recently so last month we actually onboarded a uh, a head of pr uh, sorry a head of hr uh james who's an amazing person and you know he's helping us build um build this you know kind of another layer of um of kind of getting us closer to the to the objective, uh, one of the objectives of the company, which is to not just be a place, uh, not just be a kind of you know a tool and a partner for the clients to grow, but also an environment for growth for our uh, people, right? So we want yeah. to, uh, so you know, like my philosophy has always been, you know, hire the experts, just get the best people, and uh, you know, keep them there, right? But then I realized that it's not just enough to get great people. You need to actually like get great people and make them even better, and give them the environment to yeah. that they enjoy to grow in, uh, and that they feel that you know all the time they're on some kind of path to to getting better, right? So James, uh, our HR head, is mm -hmm. building us the. Um, we actually deliberately called this position not the head of HR, but we called it the head of people and culture, right? So. Yeah. Uh, He's helping us build a culture of, uh, you know, a culture of growth, culture of feedback, and uh, he's helping us, you know, uh, kind of hire the best people. And also, he's gonna make sure that everyone has this kind of development pathway in the company, which is something mm -hmm. that I wish I had time to do myself. But you know, like at almost 50 people, it's really hard to just get, you know, like everybody enough feedback. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, to hire a um dedicated HR person and whatever you call it, uh, you can call it head of culture, head of people. I think that's a crucial step once you are above 15, 20 people, because uh, now we are with, uh, we, we have 11 people in the company, but I, uh, I already give this partly to one of the team members because when you are the CEO, it's, it's hard to 
manage people and um, sit sit down with them every week or once a month at least and talk with them and all of these. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you, I think I think you definitely should, right? So I probably spend like fifty percent of my time on the calls <clears throat> with the team, and like I try to make it a habit. Like after every call. Uh, my team gets feedback on like how this call was led and you know whether to focus on the right things mm-hmm. and so on uh, because like and especially now when I'm kind of training the this middle management in the company and like the heads yeah. of different service departments it's like uh, this is like I just realized you know you cannot be the company forever right if you have a company where like all the decisions and all the innovation and all the process improvements come from the top then you you it's, it will never be a sustainable business right be you, it's just going to collapse at some point you're never yeah. going to be able to you know automate it so call it and you're never going to be able to scale past certain points right so like spending the time developing people is like the most important thing for me yeah also it's for your own sake because you will burn out if you carry all the weight uh with you yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about marketing. So tell us uh, more about how you grow your, uh, your your clients' businesses. And uh, firstly, I'm really curious how you screen your clients because if I guess if you do many things, you really focus on gro- growth. It's different than a one-service agency. So I guess you don't have 100 clients or maybe not even 50 clients. I don't know. Um, yeah. Probably it's a more have, like, uh, yeah, we have about 15 clients, uh, mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. I think like something like that. And, yeah. uh, the way, yeah, so you're right. It's a huge opportunity cost, uh, when it comes to, you know, taking on a client that we cannot help because we're going to invest all that, you know, effort and resources. Uh, so, you know, it puts a lot, a huge burden on us. And I wish we, we were perfect at that, but you know, like I can I, I I can't always predict what product is gonna fly, especially you know, like if they don't uh, if the if the product don't have the mark the product market fit yet. Which sometimes you know, like I I'm the person I get excited about products, right? And sometimes like I, I see a business coming to me and I'm like, oh oh my goodness, this is the most amazing product, right? But it's it's like small, right? Of course, it's it's easy to take a product that already has. You know the product market fit and 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 let it scale and probably that would be a better business decision somehow but like i just sometimes i just get excited <laughs> and i i try to help right which is and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't if the product is not tested right but the way uh basically you know so i, I mentioned we do you know a lot of different stuff things right which but still you know the focus is the most important kind of you know it's always the, the most important thing so in in reality what we do is we first stabilize the the kind of one or uh, yeah one or two max core uh you know traffic channels right and focus on the client's business model and uh and their uh their conversion rates and their kind of lifetime value and so on right so, you know, uh, usually, you know, most people are are doing Facebook ads as their first channel. So we would take a look at their ads, look at the creatives they were running. Uh, as I mentioned, like the first thing I do is I just check their prices, check their lifetime value, check their product portfolio and so on. Um, look at stuff like, you know, the, their, their possibility to scale even, right? If it's a business that's doing their own, uh, their own fulfillment and their own production, then yeah, I spend a lot of time with the founders. Can, can we again? slow down a bit? I would just have a few questions. 
as you are scaling. So let's say I have an e-com business with, I don't know, 20K per month. Uh, seems like I have the product market fit. And uh, how, how should I scale? How, what would be the first thing? And how do you know that I can scale or not really? What are mm -hmm. the parameters or things? Yeah. So it's going to be also very vertical specific, right? It's going to depend on your, uh, you know, on your average order value on the kind of like where your traffic is coming from up to this point, right? If you're 20K and all your traffic is coming from organic, that's actually a super good sign. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it looks like you know you have the um to me like it's the signal that the business knows how to interact with their customers and how to take care of you know some you know pr and influencers on the kind of micro level which is super cool because you know this is the the thing that takes the longest and this is the thing that we probably have the least expertise as an agency in terms of or you know like or we do have the expertise but we don't have the time right so we focus on like the explosive stuff right because the 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 sad thing in the agency business is that you know no one can afford to spend the money on working with an agency if if it's not paying for itself right so that's why we also have to focus on the most explosive kind of ways yeah. to to add value and if a business has their kind of you know pr and you know they uh, they're taking care of if they know how to navigate all the kind of media publicity and uh, an organic growth and getting featured and working with influencers micro micro uh, micro uh, and macro then um then that's that's super cool right uh it's gonna be vertical specific i mean to me like one of the most important things is of course the is of course the creatives one of the most important things is to look at the healthiness of the margins right so like the sweet spot that i'm looking for in a business is if you know like your, your product price to to your uh cost of goods sold shipping ratio is going to be around uh, around three right so you know like your margins at about uh kind of 60 percent is i would say the minimum if the business has lower margins than that then the first question i would ask is like what's the reason uh have you tested different price points have you looked yeah. into you know like do you have some economies of scale you can explore later if so that might be acceptable now but they need to uh, i need to know that the business if it grows that it's going to be able to sustain the scale and you know we're not going to have to maintain some you know like unrealistic return on the ad spend right yeah. um for example Another thing is focusing on, you know, the kind of cliche by this time, which is the, you know, whoever can spend most on acquiring the customers is going to win, right? Which is the uh, everything on the lifetime value uh, and average order value side, right? So I look at, you know, what can we, what can we upsell, right? How can we change the, um, the kind of incentives for people to purchase more products, right? Uh, as I mentioned, you know, like increasing the prices. So recently we, we told one client to basically increase the price on the bestseller by 20% and uh, add, you know, this little widget, uh, you know, with the quantity breaks that essentially if you buy two, if you buy three, you get a discount. If you buy four, you get a, a further discount, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's this action alone, it increased their average order value by 40%. And all of a sudden, you know, they started making a lot more money. And we were able to to start scaling aggressively, right? So, so this is the the first thing. Another thing that I do is I, you know, kind of investigate the healthiness of the business model through, you know, all the other numbers, right? So, you know, how much do you, do customers pay you for shipping? Uh, what's your uh, what, what are your transaction fees? What are your, the taxes that you're paying? And I'm trying to build a really 
you know, really comprehensive model for what are the what are the real margins that the clients have. So sometimes, you know, like a business might come up with, hey, this is the return on the asset that I want to hit, but I really need to understand deeply where this number is coming from in case, for example, this kind of arbitrary and realistic return might be preventing us from actually scaling uh, faster, right? Another thing is, you know, looking at the fixed costs of the business. And then from that model, we can really start thinking about only when we have the numbers in place, uh, we can start thinking about the, um, you know, scaling and focusing on ads and so on, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, average order value is the next thing, the conversion rates on the site, and then working through the, the creatives and just setting up like the kind of basic structural uh, foundations in, on the on the on the ads accounts, right? It's really like, in my experience, it's not the complicated. Yeah, it sounds like you have a very holistic view of the businesses of your clients. So you check even the shipping fees, transaction fees, all of that. Um, so you also do all of the calculations for every client, and then yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's non-negotiable. We have to get really deep into the numbers. Um, because that's that's the like that's one of the reasons that um, that's uh, you know sometimes agencies don't work for clients because it is specifically that you know they're just working off different targets right the media buyers are operating they only have visibility into their spend and ROAS they yeah. you know it's, it takes a conscious effort for them to calculate how much you know the gross margin their campaigns may, are making and you know I've never heard of a media buyer asking what what fixed costs do businesses have, right? And that's actually like probably the reasons that we can drive the drive the results is because you know having experience managing our own e-com businesses as well, we just know what kind of we you know how the business model and how the economics of that works and how to you know make sure you set targets that are going to help the client reach uh, those numbers, right? Yeah. So for example, let's say the clients uh, we are we have a client now, right? That um, they are. You know, they they were profitable. We wanted to, you know, stabilize the profitability, but then they had some, you know, like uh, daily budgets that that you know that that were pretty pretty low. And I just showed them on the numbers. You know, guys, there's just not there's no way you're gonna make uh, money this way. We need to take a look. You're making money on the gross right now. I know your fixed costs are not covering are not covered yet, but the only way to do that is, you know, we can wait and test creatives and optimize, right? Or we can just increase the budget big time and then optimize from there, right? Uh, yeah. to, so so that you stop losing money. So you know, those kind of conversations is you know what you must have if you, um, yeah, if you really, uh, or rather, you need to have the understanding of the of the business model of e-commerce. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, I'm sure you had a few tough conversations with different e-com business owners. Um, yeah, so so what happens if they don't agree with your thoughts or... or, or um, also, I'm just curious, sometimes it happens that they don't understand what you are telling to them, like they just... And, and if they don't understand why, they don't have enough experience or, or because of something else, maybe yeah. short-term mindset or, or what's yeah. the reason? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, there are a lot, of, a lot of things. And you're right, like this is what a lot of people don't understand, that it takes, it takes a really like experienced founders uh, are, you know, like are way better partners for the agencies as well, right? If you have, for uh, just a simple example, like logistics is probably like the most difficult 
uh, topic that you know I'm probably never going to be able to comprehend. But you know, we've got a like in the e-commerce businesses that we run, we've got a partner who just like he does magic with the logistics and the ideas that he has to kind of optimize for uh, you know to to drive the product prices down to you know like to make sure we don't uh, you know get stuck on customs and you know find optimal you know, fulfillment solutions and stuff like that this is insane right like but um, you know if it wasn't for them like you know i would i would never be able to run a, anything else than a dropshipping business from probably right which is also very difficult to scale um so yeah like the the founders really need to have uh, really need to also continue growing right and get educated uh, on the, you know, on the fulfillment side, constantly search for ideas for how to, you know, like improve their shipping times, how to get better product prices, how to, you know, come up with new design ideas. Uh, they need to be uh, the owners of their brand as well, right? Because like um, I was having a conversation with, with our mentor today and he said basically that, you know, like if you're running a, uh, a $10 million brand, but you have like two products, you're not, you're, it's just like a baby business still, right? Because yeah. you're just scaling products. You don't, you don't have a brand that is, that is, you know, that has a, that is built to last, right? So, you know, thinking about those kind of things, building up the barriers to entry, uh, getting more, uh, getting more exposure, you know, PR and things like that. Those are the activities when we have a founder that is focusing on all those things and are really talented in that, then it's it's really the perfect synergy with the, the the style of agency that we run, which is you know like a performance kind of wheel, right? Yeah, 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 makes sense. And um, you talked about creatives. So what creatives work now? And I I know it's a very broad question, yeah. hard to answer. Have you, have you seen the meme? Sorry. Have you seen the meme? Like there's, there's this meme uh, when someone asks me about Facebook ads and the answer is it depends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. the, the, and that's that's true because it's kind of like the, the biggest uh, thing is the vertical, right? So like in every vertical, it's it's going to be slightly different. But I can I can say a few things about like the general stuff maybe, about creative. A few best practices what almost everyone can, uh, yeah. you know, implement in Q4. Um, especially if you guys can get featured on a TV and then start your ad from a from a hook from a t from a TV station, that's really that's killing it for us for for a few for a few of our brands. And you tried really, TV. You, know, you tried. Uh, yeah. No. 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 So this is yeah. We did try TV as well, but mm -hmm. this is from like uh, like a you know morning breakfast TV. If you know what I'm talking about, when there's yeah. uh, you know the, it starts from just like a reporter talking about yourself. So it's like a media coverage, right? So it's not your TV spot. It's like some journalist talking about you. And the reason it works is probably because it's super native, right? So you can yeah. have a hook from the TV, and then you can just kind of blend it in with the uh you know the, the kind of uh like problem solution buzzfeed style video whatever you want to call it mm, yeah. yeah a lot of user generated content works and and this is always always super cool like the, the the absolute best thing that we've ever done was to kind of have our creative team also you know produce their own creatives so you know the clients send us products and then we shoot some simple stuff and then you know the the simpler the better uh for example you know when we did for one client you know they used to run all those kind of like professionally produced stuff the first time we didn't we did an kind of user generated style um you know almost like an instagram story like someone would would record yeah. it 
pretty crappy quality, if you ask me. But like it really du doubled the doubled the ROAS on one of the accounts. So this is really really cool. Um, yeah. So there are a few principles when it comes to when when I think about creatives and um, and those principles would be number one is nativity, right? So like especially if you're running ads on social. Um, there's this certain degree of blending in that you need to do so that to bypass people's kind of ad filters, right? So yeah, number one is nativity. And then the then there's the attention aspect, right? So which is kind of, you know, like how do you stand out while you're while you blend in? And those two can be kind of like interchangeable. So for example, for one brand, we tried all those kind of like, you know, super smart, super cool ads. We did a lot of research <laughs> into, you know, angles on the customers want. Yeah. But really what worked the best was like a like a spinning spiral, just like a pattern interrupt with a product shot on it. And like, you know, we've tried to beat it with videos and like we nothing just works. So super wow. humbling. So so kind of you can trade attention for uh for nativity sometimes. And in different niches it's gonna uh, it's gonna work differently. Uh, the third principle is um what is the third principle? The third principle is the uh is the virality yeah so like we try to blend you know how facebook has those uh, kind of relevance you know the old relevance scores now it's the engagement rate re uh, ranking the uh, conversion rate ranking and so on so i i, I know that you know, whenever we have created that really hit uh you know the some kind of good values on, on all of those three then they tend to the creatives that work for the longest right? not necessarily the best creatives but uh, creatives that pretty much never lay down so uh and what i noticed is that you know the engagement rate ranking is going to be highly influenced by this by these kind of virality factors so you know when i'm thinking about virality factors i would ask myself questions like you know, would uh, is this is what I'm describing in the ad is is it newsworthy, right? So is it something that if I tell you know mm -hmm. if I tell it to my friend, is it gonna is it gonna boost my status just by you know kind of communicating this useful information, right? Mm. Yeah, does yeah. it make people feel like insiders, right? Um, does it kind of you know share some useful information? Does it tell a story in a simple way that you know people can repeat and spread, right? So this is all coming from the book uh, Contagious, and it's it's really really cool book. I definitely I recommend it a lot. It's just yeah. literally like a simple guide of how to do creatives, and I think virality is, is the most important for social media because stuff that gets shared gets uh, you know gets more reach, gets cheaper uh, costs of impressions, right? So you're really like giving yourself the best chance of su of succeeding if you implement those kind of virality principles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These and, were, yeah. And the yeah. last, the last principle I'm almost done is the direct response principles. So you know, just the basics. So you know, like a strong call to action. Um, does the ad kind of show the ownership benefits, right? So not just kind of tell the hey, this is a good ad, but does it actually show uh, how it's being used and and why? And does you know, like, are you positioning against you know the the uh, the offerings or competitors enough, right? Yeah, just read the good old copywriters and uh, the boron letters and all of those things. Um, yeah. And learn about direct response. Um, do you want to talk a bit more about your own stores? Because if I know well, then you you uh, started two stores. 
So I'm just curious yeah. what your uh, yeah. So uh, business model. Absolutely. So we've actually started uh, like some time ago. We started uh, when this was the like kind of the peak of the of the COVID. We started the uh, store selling masks. Uh, just to you know, like as a, as a trial idea to to also you know understand like how the whole process works from the opposite side of the spectrum, and this was a really cool experience. But we actually closed it down, which was uh, you know super sad because it was going it was going so well. But I'm actually gonna maybe be publishing a case study about that. Uh, yeah, we like it was like a, you know it's it's like a it's a trending thing, right? And yeah. I see that you know, like every product has a certain life cycle. So even though you know, like people are expecting to see the like the second wave of COVID and so on, I believe that you know by now the competitive landscape has has been super. Uh, you know, it's just been too many too many offerings, right? But it was a really cool experience. We made 1.6 million in 56 days, and I'm, I'm going to be publishing a whole case study about that soon. Think somewhere this week uh, alongside with you know like all the kind of conversion principles because like we were getting almost five percent conversion rates in the store it was really really awesome uh, so yeah. that's one then 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 we've got also two drop shipping stores which i'm probably not going to reveal the the niche but it's in a hobby it's in a hobby space and you know just kind of uh, testing out ideas there uh in terms of you know like how do you how do you scale stuff when there's no fulfillment partner involved, right? Yeah, and uh, these works, uh, sorry, these stores they uh, operate in the US or Europe or somewhere else, somewhere else. Uh, US, the the dropshipping stuff is in the US. Yeah. Okay, so Matt, uh, thanks for uh, coming today to this uh, podcast episode and live stream. And is there anything uh, more what you want to share with the audience, especially before Q4? Oh yeah, definitely Q4 is, uh, I'm already stressing out about it. <laughs> We've already started getting ready and we probably should have started in June. In fact, um, I would say get all your communications ready by the 1st of November. Uh, I'm not sure if, if you're okay with me doing some some blood and promo, but I've actually did a, a webinar recently on the Q4 strategies and you guys can check it out on, on our YouTube channel uh it's gonna be live uh, probably somewhere this week it's the channel is called sales genomics e-commerce scaling strategies by sales genomics yeah cool 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 uh and as you said uh, so check check it out the webinar first and secondly yeah as you said so every uh, channel should be uh synced um I think uh, I think I can see so many e-commerce businesses who who are multi-channel, like they do Facebook, email, SMS, uh, Google Ads, a lot of channels, but those are not really synced together, uh, and they are multi-channel but not omni-channel, and they should um, sync those channels much better. Um, yeah, super probably, probably they need one person who really ties together all of those channels. Uh, I think it's mostly because everything is done by somebody else and they just don't talk with each other, those people. Yeah, um, like at some point I see that, you know, if the founders, they either have they either have a marketing manager that is kind of orchestrating stuff. And I actually, I personally love working with marketing managers because especially if they kind of come up with good content ideas and just work on the brand and so on, and this person orchestrates the rest, or they just have like a, you know one agency acting as a as a kind of like a marketing manager and uh, things like that. Yeah. 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 
100%. So, uh, Matt, thanks for uh, joining us today. And if anyone wants to find you and your uh, business or businesses, where they can find you? Mm, you can check out our website, salesgenomics.co.uk, or you can join our group, E-commerce scaling strategies by Sales Genomics on Facebook. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a we've also got a podcast under the same name and a YouTube channel under the same name as well. Or you can hit me up on Facebook. My name is Matt Banek. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Thank you, Matt, and uh, thanks for uh, watching us today. Every Monday we are coming out with a live stream, and every Thursday we are coming out with a new podcast episode. This episode will come out. Uh, around the end of October, um, in the middle of Q4. And uh, stay tuned. We are coming out with new uh, guests and new topics. See you, everyone. Thanks a lot for having me. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called top 3% e-commerce email marketing or check out our website thebudaimedia.com The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.